we're back. We didn't even have to test it this time because we're so good at prepping for episodes now. We're we're ready to rock and roll. We're uh, we're killing it. We're we're in the game. Number one podcast <laughs> in <laughs> east side of Indianapolis. Oh, that's very geographically specific. Running out, running out of things to say. You don't, here. I don't want the haters to know where I am. Well, that's. I mean, that's. We're a big city, right? They that's right. There's yeah. a million people here. Good There's luck trying to find me. Good luck trying to find me, chumps. <laughs> but yeah, we're back. We're we're here with another episode. Got some great stuff to talk about. Some heavy. Uh, some fun insights. Um, heavy. Yeah. I hope you'll stay tuned. It'll be fun. Thick. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Hang on. Oi, bro. <laughs> Back in it again. My, I watched a movie recently. I'm so proud of you. I know that's been a difficult... <laughs> Wait, I didn't tell you that, but actually it has my attention. I think my attention span is getting worse. I think oh, no. like, TikTok is ruining my I, You know what? So, yeah, I don't know. I don't believe any of these conspiracy theories about like... Uh, uh, other governments trying to brainwash people, but I do believe that it is definitely destroying our attention span. Cause yes, because like, it's harder to watch a movie now is. than yeah. it was. Yeah, it's rough. <sighs> well, or, I, I don't know. Maybe movies are just getting like really yeah. boring. Who knows? I did a hard, really <laughs> difficult thing and watched a movie. <laughs> <laughs> and that movie was a sequel to another movie that came out a long time ago. <laughs> Have you seen the original? You've seen the original. I have. have? I okay. Have. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a, a classic. I love it. I had to refresh. Let's see how long we can talk about this without saying I, what it is. It would not be very interesting I, to people, I don't think. <laughs> I had to rem- I had to remind myself a lot of things that happened in the original because yeah. I like I get that it's a classic. But anyways, the original we were talking about is The Shining. The Shining, nineteen eighty, Stanley Kubrick. Here's Johnny. Yeah. You know the mm-hmm. line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Great Nicholson. soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually I've been to the hotel. Uh, what? Where they film? Yeah, so it's um, at least the outside. It's the inside is a set. Very shocking, but what? the outside it's uh, it's a hotel in Estes Park in Colorado, and you can go there. They have a maze in the back. It's really cool. What? Yeah, you should check it out. Dang. Anyway, yeah, they, the Shining. Uh, yeah, great movie, The Shining. So there was the sequel that came out in like 20... 2019. Um, different director, Mike Flanagan. Yes. Um, different actor, Ewan McGregor of Star Wars fame. It's like. A little under forty years later, for yeah. the sequel. Yeah. And Stephen King wrote the sequel to The Shining, Doctor Sleep, the book in twenty thirteen. So yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird when you get a sequel that comes out forty that, years that later. late, right? Yeah. But um, but the this movie sought to do something very interesting because the Shining movie is very different than the Shining book, from what I understand. I've only mm-hmm. seen the movie. I've mm-hmm. never read the book. Mm-hmm. From what I understand, they're very different. And so the this movie actually tries to be a sequel both to the movie and the book. Yeah. Well, so it's yeah. actually doing so it's three like, things. It's, it's like adapting, reconciling all of, yeah. It's adapting the book, Dr. Sleep written by Stephen King in 2013. And it's serving as a, uh, film sequel to the shining and a, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's doing a lot. Multimedia there. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool. So if you've, so if you've seen, we're not, we're going to try not to spoil it, but if yeah, you've yeah, seen, no if you've seen the original film, the shining, uh, uh, there's a, a hotel that it's, 
centered around and there's there's a kid here who has all of these supernatural Johnny. things happen to him and it's very creepy and stuff so so you and McGregor plays the the grown-up version of the kid in this of and this it's kid. and it's On set the tricycle, like, yeah it's set in like present day I think um yeah. or like close to present day right so yeah. so he's Obviously, he had a lot of childhood trauma from a lot of the stuff that happened when he was a kid. Um, and, and part of him is reconciling with that. And then more supernatural, creepy things keep happening. And, and then there's another, there's another young child that he is now trying to protect, right? Because he, he doesn't want what happened to him to happen to this, this kid as well, right? Yes. So without spoiling anything, it kind of like is, is he's trying to break the cycle, I guess, almost of, of mm. what happened to him when he was a kid, right? So Yes, and I yeah. think... One thing I learned about the movie is I think the the basic theme of the movie is actually in a roundabout way about alcoholism. A little bit, yeah. And that's yeah. so the original Shining movie, Jack Nicholson's character is meant to be an alcoholic. It was not really portrayed a bunch in the Shining. So you, it wasn't very clear in the film. You don't yeah. get, but yeah. in the book, apparently, it was very much so that way. Mm -hmm. And so it is. It's kind of yeah. It's trying to do a lot at once, and I mm -hmm. think. As a sequel that nobody asked for, decades later, <laughs> yeah. uh, on a book that recently came out, for a book that came out a long time ago, for a movie, like, as far as all those things, it had to do a lot, and I feel yeah, like as yeah. a, it's, it's, I guess it's a horror movie, but it wasn't jump scary, like. No, no, well, not, and, like, it's and a so thriller. This, it's the a, director, yeah. Mike Flanagan, he's kind yeah, of. The homie. He's the new, he's the new, like. OG horror director now. He like did he, Midnight Mass. So a lot yeah. of a lot of recent like horror films and and TV shows and stuff. But his whole thing is that he doesn't he doesn't do a lot of the horror tropes, right? He doesn't do big jump scares. Mm -hmm. He there's often not necessarily like a big scary monster mm -hmm. that is the the ultimate villain or something. So it's it's much more. Um, Almost like more of a thriller, right? Yeah, um, more of a sci-fi. Yeah, so it's sci-fi, not even sci-fi, fantasy thriller. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I, the the theme of breaking the cycle, or you know, the sins of the father, yes, is sort of like yeah. a major and, and alcoholism as well. I mean, I, you can you can even just be as direct as that. I think, yeah, that's of kind it. of yeah. what the yeah. the movie grapples with. You also get this really interesting race of kind of vampire rebecca ferguson plays a freaking cool vampire woman yeah like weird who, like yeah sucks steam out of people i promise it's it's cool guys you need <laughs> I to promise watch it's cool uh but it was interesting oh it's good yeah it's good and and i think uh for those of you who have like maybe seen ewan mcgregor in more mainstream roles right like he's but he's certainly best known for his star wars films um as obi-wan kenobi who's right? that um, who is Obi-Wan? You know, old Ben, old Ben Kenobi. Um, but he's, I, I think some of his best work is, is stuff that's maybe a little more off the beaten path. So stuff like this, he, he had a lot of films earlier in his career as well, or his acting really shines through. He's a phenomenal actor. He's great in this film. You know, um, I've been told I look a little bit like you. Oh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, it's, I had, yeah, it's a great film. I would, I would recommend it. I don't know if you yeah. would recommend it. No, I yeah. would recommend it, but I feel yeah. like you, uh, any amount, like watching The Shining or knowing about The Shining ahead of time is going to be helpful because otherwise yeah. there's going to be some points yeah, definitely. where it's yeah. trying to kind of tie together all these different lores. And also it's very Stephen King-y. Yes. Like yeah. where it gets, it's very out there, like with the storytelling yeah. and the sort of fan, like. Yeah, there's a lot of really interesting lore, and you mm -hmm. kind of have to track with it. And it, yeah, it's it's not a very standard thriller. Like everything you see on the screen is not something that would happen in real life, and no, you have to know no. that going into it. Yeah, and be like, okay, there's a race of vampires that 
sucks steam and we're people. gonna move with and that it keeps we're gonna them, roll with it yeah we're gonna yeah. roll with it so if you're yeah. if you're down for something like that yeah kind of like connecting the shining so not a lot of people saw this movie in the theater and i yeah. think there's a lot of reasons for that many of them being like okay this is a sequel that nobody asked for decades sure, later what sure, is this sure. about is it is it a sequel to the shining is it something else is yeah. it an av- adaptation of a book well it's all those so all that to say if you enjoy a little thrill if you enjoy getting into some interesting uh, generational trauma through the <laughs> eyes of Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Um, yeah, I found it pretty interesting. And actually, yeah, I had some powerful moments of yeah. him yeah. even making mistakes and the way that he grapples with his own mistakes in the light of his... And the way that Stephen King uses these fantastical creatures from other... Uh, galaxies or these sort of you know scary things that They're, are actual manifestations of sort of psychological trauma. Yeah, yeah, like, and that's and I think it's pretty clear. And, and this is like across a lot of Stephen King's works is is the 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 supernatural element while real in the story is is a very obvious like symbol for some sort of human trauma, some sort of yeah. human uh, uh, failure almost. Right. So, um, and, and you see this across all of them. Right. And I, and I think that's a really clever way to do storytelling because we can, it's, it's easy for us to be dismissive of something like alcoholism that is so prevalent in our world that Mm. is very destructive, but we just see it as part of everyday life, unfortunately. Um, but, but when you turn that into something supernatural, something that is, um, very unsettling, right? Then suddenly it's like, oh man, this is this is a real problem, right? Mm-hmm. And how do you break that cycle, right? So yeah. Anyway, it's I yeah I liked it yeah. more than I thought I would definitely. Same. Yeah. Same. How many um, how many Overlook hotels would you rate it out of uh, out of ten? How many hotel rooms out of ten would you rate it? Um, <laughs> I feel like it's definitely in the solid eight category. Mm. Which for me, an wow. eight means I enjoyed it and I'm willing to watch it again. Yeah. Seven is I enjoyed it, but I don't necessarily want to watch again. Yeah. This is one I'd be willing we'll to watch, watch it again. again. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Go watch it. Go watch The Shining first. <laughs> Here's Chuck. Right, so we're gonna jump right into this. Um, this is uh, probably gonna be a little bit of a heavier episode um, Heavy. in, in terms of like content we're talking about. Um, we're we're dealing with things that have a lot of, I think, misconceptions in the way that we we approach them uh, in in public life. Um, so with that with that being said, uh, when we talk about things like race and uh, class and ethnicity and and what a social construct is. I'm I'm using air quotes there. Um, I think there's a lot of things you got to get out of the way. You got to you got to clear the air. You got to you got to define it. You got to heavy. You got to do a little bit of a disclaimer, right? So so Seth, what what do we need to give a disclaimer for <laughs> before we get into this, right? Before we start, before us two white guys living in the U.S. Uh, start talking about race, right? So like, yes. what what do you want to what do you want to say first off the bat here? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I mean, I really, what I want this episode to be is hopefully helpful. I want to take some of the things that I learned, especially getting one and a half, two degrees in anthropology. Yeah. There's a lot of tools that I think anthropology gives you to think about things like race and ethnicity, mm-hmm. things that are on news headlines every day and conversations every day and sort of affect the way we think about ourselves, like 
yeah. understanding the origins of some of those is important. What I will say as a caveat, um, you know, I think actually I could see uh, criticism from either side, a more progressive or more conservative side, saying, you know, what business do you have talking about race or why are you talking about this? What's the point of this, right? Um, sure. And yeah. so what I would say is um, to. If this is the only content that you're consuming or listening to about uh, discussion about race or inequality, hmm. um, of any kind, of any kind, then like I would recommend you pause this and go somewhere else, or let this be something that jump starts your journey into yeah, learning more about uh-huh. that. And the yeah. next place you should go is to listen. To, so to understand the perspective of race and racism and like structural racism systemic racism has on people sure this is not the source for that Mm because as you mentioned we're two white dudes like i grew up you know in uh, a white guy in the south of the united states and so my perspective is not someone who um i have the privilege of being able to talk about race as Mm -hmm. this thing you know anthropologically and examine it that way so sure if you want if you want the perspective on what it's like to be a person of color in this country we are not the people who are equipped to handle that and we're not going to pretend that we have an authority on that right and there there is an abundance of resources out there Uh, we might link to some of those but but there's a lot that's available so that's not that's not what we're trying to do with this nope yeah Yeah. and and i don't want my my voice has no place you know sort of taking up airwaves of you know people that have already told that story well and continuing to tell it. So if this is the only time you're hearing conversation about this, please, 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 you know, listen to other creators, people of color, Mm -hmm. um, who, you know, have put their perspective out there and done the emotional labor to share their experience in a meaningful way. So that's my first caveat. Um, with that, (laughs) I, I think, but at the same time I could see, you know, um, someone who's maybe coming from a more progressive, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, and that's a maybe not a helpful category, but someone I could see someone saying like, "Well, you know, this isn't your place to talk on this, right? Sure, it should yeah. only be people of color that are talking about this." And you know, our job is to sort of uh, step to the side and highlight their voices, which absolutely it is. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. However, as we'll get more into in this episode, the concept of race and racism and slavery and colonialism, these sort of societal this ills is, that this we're is still hot take number through, one of the hot take number yeah. one. There will be many. <laughs> These things, and this is actually, this is advice that I got from uh, a person of color who was giving me advice and, and like, helped me, help shape my perspective on this. Mm, so this isn't mm-hmm. even my own take. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But these things, colonialism, uh, racism, the concept of race itself, were invented and created by white people. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, and created through colonialism. And so if we, white people, people like Patrick and Seth, mm-hmm. uh, are not willing to speak up and to prompt conversations of race, even though, you know, not waiting in for a person of color to come by and have to share their emotional labor to put that out yep, there. But yeah. it, like we, what I'm saying is we as white people, me as a white person, I need to, we need to be willing to uh, speak up and speak sure. out. We're not, exi- we're not exempt from having to talk about this, right? No, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and we should yeah. <laughs> only uh, be allowed and or uh, feel the need to talk about it when there's some terrible thing on the news that's prompted, sure. like yeah, yeah, these are these were just like to speak very big picture and generally, uh, you know, my European ancestors created these concepts, and so I, as a descendant of them, have a responsibility actually mm. to help in any small way that I can 
undo and educate around these concepts. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. white people invented racism, and so white people have to be a part of ending it. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Uh, sure. And I think for a long time we sort of put that labor and expectation. We take the necessary thing of like to understand racism, you need to listen to someone who has experienced it. And we, we take that perspective and then we sort of just leave it all to people that have experienced racism to have to then solve it themselves. Sure. Yeah. It's like we yeah. need to be in this together. Yep. So this is one white guy and Patrick as well, two white guys <laughs> sharing just thoughts and information yeah. and hopefully things from different disciplines mm-hmm. around race that will hopefully give us tools so that we can enter into those conversations sort of more effectively yep. and with a perspective that's open to that if that yep. makes sense yeah yeah it does Those and are I, I, I think it goes as well without saying like we are not the first people to say this kind of stuff this is all um again from the field of anthropology I yeah. mean, we're, we're pulling from um a number of different things that we've we've studied and learned over the years mm-hmm. um this is not something we're we're not we're not writing a new treatise about race and no. and how you should deal with that's not that's not what this is this is a distillation of a lot of the things that we've we've kind of uh, been informed by over the years, mm-hmm. um, and are are passing on to you now, and you can, yeah. you can kind of think about it on your own terms. And I think too, like for people listening, uh, for some people listening, this might be the first time hearing some of these ideas or concepts, sure. and that's great. Like I hope yeah. it's helpful. I hope it opens your eyes to and helps yeah. you look at things like news headlines and conversations with friends and family mm-hmm. in a different way. Um, but also, um, you know, for me, like even just diving back into this and thinking about this for this episode is a good reminder. Like, yes, I learned these things in school at different mm-hmm. points, but mm-hmm. these are things we need to be reminded of. So wherever you're coming from, I think whether it's a reminder of, oh yeah, these are where these things come from and here's some of these ways to think about this, or if this is new information for you, hopefully it's helpful. So all of that laid the groundwork. Um, I want to talk about the sort of concept of race and once again, I mentioned I'm looking at this from an anthropological perspective. So anthropology is sort of, in the simplest terms, the study of human beings. Mm, so when, okay. when someone tries to study human beings, their culture, their society, their history, their, you know, all of that. Um, food. Yes, food is food. in that I, I'm well. a big fan of food. <laughs> Are you hungry? Are you good? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, but so I think... A, a few terms that can be helpful. And one yeah, book yeah. I actually started reading that has been really interesting that I will mention here. Um, well, first the term is class. So, and this is generally a cultural category describing how people are grouped according their according to their positions within the economy, right? Okay, so, so it's... It's, uh, it, it's it's almost like a movable status, right? Right. In, in theory. In, in right? theory, yeah, class. But, but right. often deceptively less so than... Yes. Sure. So we yeah. would say, oh, yeah, I'm middle class. Or, oh, mm-hmm. they're in the... You know, someone like Mark Zuckerberg is in the upper class, right? Yeah. Or the lower class or someone living in poverty, right? We sort of mm-hmm. create these distinctions. Mm-hmm. Uh, another term is caste, which you hear talked about... A lot of times people are referencing somewhere like India, and they talk about caste system. Mm. Um, and that's when class is fixed, so it's immovable in a particular society. Okay, so okay. that means if you're born into a lower class, you are fixed in that caste. So it's no life. longer defined entirely by the resources that you have, but it's also an acknowledgement that you, the resources you have can't change it, right? So like, yes. like you can't, even if you somehow come into a large, if you win a lottery or something, right? You're not, you're not moving up in status, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Necessarily. Um, it's, yeah. it's inevitable, right? It's predetermined. 
Yes, okay. and there is a book actually called Cast by Isabel Wilkerson, Wilkerson that I mm. just recently started and getting mm-hmm. gotten into. And she actually, her book kind of makes a really interesting case, which I won't, you know, try to recapitulate here. I would just, you know, it's worth reading yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but she actually sort of draws a parallel in that book between the caste system in India, as it's been understood, mm. and the class system in the United States, and actually calls us a caste system. Really? Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. That's a hot take. That's a, that's that is her a hot, take. <laughs> that is a hot take. Hot take number two. Yeah, I don't... I don't. Yeah. Necess- I mean, I, I think there's a lot of interesting evidence there. Uh, I don't... I haven't finished the book yet, so I don't have a fully formed opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, that's her take, and it's interesting. So yeah. she kind of says... But that's... Those are helpful things. Um, and I think I'm starting with this because before you talk about race and ethnicity... Uh, class is sort of one of these things that overlays all of that and actually mm-hmm. has a lot of influence and power over these things mm. that we often don't consider, right? We, yeah. we, sort of, we sort of almost entirely think in racialized terms mm. um, and we often uh, don't consider how class affects things like race and racism. Sure. And so and I ha- think- Yeah, how our perceptions of race are actually often colored just as much by class, right? Yes. And classism. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Yes. That's, that's, that's helpful. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's sort of class and okay. caste. And those, yeah. we, we might come back to that, but that's just kind of a, a groundwork. Yeah. Um, next is talking about the term race. So, you know, I feel like I've heard, so there's so many thoughts and opinions and talk about race, right? And so... It's often, I think, bluntly defined by the color of one's skin. Right? Yes, that's yes. that's often what we kind of fall into as a society when we yeah. talk about race. Yeah, um, and which I, is very reductive. <laughs> I really, when speaking of redu- uh, being reductive, yeah. I mean, I feel like all, almost all of my friends that are either very progressive or very conservative, like they, uh, many people are sort of tired of things being given to us in racialized terms. Sure. Sure. Um, you know, I think a lot of people on, on the, not to, I am going to overgeneralize here, but a lot of people on the, on the more right side are like, why is everything about race? You know, I hear that refrain often. Sure. Why is it always sure. about race? It always comes back to race. Why are we always talking about race? Like even Morgan Freeman in an interview, maybe 10, 15 years ago, you yeah. know, he's yeah. known as someone asked, an uh, interview asked him about race and he said, well, we just need to stop talking about race and then our problems will go away with it. Mm. That was his take. Mm. Third hot take, not my take, Morgan <laughs> Freeman's take. Yeah. And he may have changed his mind from then sure sure but that that's sort of perspective i hear a lot of times from folks sure in one camp yeah um and then you know you have people that are more progressive who um you know in general can talk a little bit about race can sort of elevate race or you know make things racialized in a tokenistic way of like Mm. trying to elevate different races or trying to um it, it can get really icky, I think, on both sides yeah, of, of yeah, the way that can. race is kind of Sure. So let's take it all the way back and understand what is race and sort of where did it come from. Yeah, and the yeah. easiest answer to this, I think, the simplest way to understand it, um, is that race is a cultural category. Hmm. And that's an important distinction because race culture is something that we create it's a value system that we create and share it's not something it's man-made inherent it's not biological is what you're saying right it's not it's not something that is i don't know like yeah innate within you yeah yeah yeah, exactly innate yeah um yeah so okay culture is something i mean culture affects biology and that's a whole other you know sort of connection but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know you're not um 
you're not born with a culture, you're born into a culture, mm-hmm. and that culture can change. And sure. it's, it, 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 culture, in my mind, is almost a sort of like spider's web of values and ideals and practices that people mm. share in a society. Traditions, shared right? stories. It's all those things. Can be tied into faith, it's tied into politics, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's I mean, cultural anthropology. That's sort of the, that's what you're studying, what you're learning about. But race is, it's race is in that spider web. It's okay. something we've okay. created. Um, and it's something that is, is something that we've created and can change and actually has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Yes. And the original sort of source of race is actually colonialism. Okay. So it All goes right. back to the colonial era. We're going there. It always goes back always. there. We're always back here hanging out in the... Oh. 15, 16, 1700s, yep. Yeah. When, 1800s, yeah. 1900s. I can keep going. <laughs> it's, it, was, it was a big chunk of history. Yeah, race yeah. History. Oh, boy. Um, and so, you know, essentially race is something that was created by colonizers from, um, you know, largely what we would call Europe sure. today, who would go to different places and, of course, you know, see that there was a difference in skin color and mm. a difference in culture and a difference in values. And, it, mm. you know, saw all these differences mm-hmm. and wanted to create a system to be able to sort of like classify this, these okay. differences and sort of so create a natural it was separation. Almost, it was almost a system of convenience for these colonizers. Yeah. Right. You, yeah. Like at a, if we're being as generous as possible, it was a system of convenience, convenience right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was created by this system of colonialism. And now, I mean, I think almost anyone can agree when you look at the whole of the colonial era, the good, the bad, and the ugly of it. Mostly there's bad and ugly. Mm-hmm. And that's the point. Mostly there's bad and ugly in the era of colonialism. Like it's yeah. not something that, you know, we're looking back on uh, fondly. No, you know, it, it shouldn't be. <laughs> if you are like, yeah, maybe we questions. can do another episode just for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, race came out of this era of sort of people showing up to new places mm. and wanting to extract resources, power, and grab land mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to sort of claim for their own. For their own people, for right? Their for their own their, country, and what would become their, their own, own race even, right? Yeah. Yes. Interesting. And so with that, you had sort of early, you know, maybe we would call them sociologists or anthropologists or people mm-hmm. or even priests or, you know, people who would create these labeling systems. Politicians. And create systems of hierarchy of, you know, where do you fit these different people in different categories? Mm. And where you sort of place those people in those categories allows you to then in many ways it allowed people to justify how those people are then treated right sure sure so you know even people and we talked about this since uh, ages ago ages we, had, ago. we had an episode about like the natural natural order right quote unquote natural order of things right well Is that, that but i know i'm actually thinking oh about, okay it's a two-part episode we did called Is christianity racist and oh yeah oh that was a great one yeah, yeah. yeah. the enlightenment and how mm-hmm. there was sort of this idea that uh, there was a literal hierarchy, and, yeah, and it uh-huh. almost feels weird. Like I don't want to say this, and I think that's part of the what I mentioned of like the sort of left like fascination with race. But like it's it's worth saying this. Legitimately, there was a system created by colon- the colonial era, and even sort of philosophers and people that were trying to academically justify this and saying and religiously and Christians, and religiously right? Christians yeah, creating theologies behind be this. There is a hierarchy, and white people are at the top, right? Mm, white people mm-hmm. with the lightest skin are the closest to God, to divinity. Mm. And then you had someone from the greater continent of Asia is maybe a step down from that. And then, you know, someone with the darkest of skin, so someone from uh, 
you know, the continent of Africa is at the bottom. That was like a hierarchy that was just created and sort of it's artificial, right? So again, so that's yeah. what you mean by cultural, it's right? Created. It's not, obviously, that's not a real hierarchy, right? That's yeah. not how that works. But mm-hmm. like again, like created in order to yeah justify atrocities, in mm-hmm. order to easily divide people, in order to decide how much. Like, you know, or even on a like material level, like, uh, mm-hmm. like, so this, this person, since they fit into this category, we can allow them to function under these laws and they can, they can have this kind of job, but these mm-hmm. people, you know, they fall into this category. So they are stuck in these jobs. Right. So, so in, again, uh, I mean, colonialism was deeply bureaucratic as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So it allowed them to continue to divide, um, in order to perpetuate that system. Right? Yeah. Like that's just, a, and that system yeah. also had a lot of economic uh, motivations of it. Yeah, so yeah. when people are at the bottom of a system of hierarchy, then you can now exploit them for labor, mm-hmm. which keeps you at the top and keeps them at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And that is sort of the origins of race, the idea of race. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of heavy. Uh, <laughs> and race is also um, completely based on outward appearance. So mm, okay, there, okay. There is no, like, when when these categories, racial categories were invented and as they've been molded over the last several hundred years, um, they're completely based on, I look at you and I need a way to classify you and so I'm creating this system that mm-hmm. classifies you this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe this feels like first grade to some people, like, I, we get it, why are you talking about this? Like, this is important. This is sure. important yeah. uh, because... Uh, what what's the classic saying looks can be deceiving like you know as as we experience in the modern world you know somebody from um turkey can have much lighter skin than someone from germany right yeah and someone from brazil can have actually much darker skin than someone like someone from africa it's not a reliable no it's not and that's that's the whole point right the whole point is that it it doesn't work yeah it's (laughs) a broken system that we've inherited yeah it's not effective it's not healthy and it's actually much more harmful than anything else right yeah so so there's a lot of there's a couple other knots right attached to what race is a race is not right yeah i I keep going in that direction and i will take a turn to so yeah it it will take a shift here but to continue along that line of thinking yeah race is not biological Hmm. right so and actually understanding the buildings building blocks of what makes a person a person um someone's like genetics you know someone's um predispositions to certain diseases or to certain genetic traits they're going to pass on like Mm -hmm. race is completely unreliable and unscientific in anything related to biology. Mm. Ask any biologist, they will tell you race is not a category that it's they work a, with. It's or not a defining, it's not helpful, right? No, yeah. it's useless. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. And it's also not a reliable social category. So, like how we understand relationships, societies, it, it doesn't help us there either. Mm. It doesn't help us understand how people interact um, in, in different ways. There's not an innate something that, based on a racial category, that someone will now respond socially a certain way because of their race. Mm, right? Yeah. And if you look around, like even today in the United States, there is still, you look at different studies of bias in systems like policing or education. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, there are legitimate, actually deeply held beliefs, cultural beliefs that mm-hmm. people have mm-hmm. that people of a particular skin color or outward appearance you know, have different levels of pain thresholds. They, yep. People believe this. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you, and any anthropologist, biologist, geneticist is here to tell you, race is not a reliable category to understand anything hmm. like that. 
you hear these awful stereotypes like, uh, oh yeah, black people are prone to violence. That's just, mm. that's not, that's you, BS. That's, that's not, yeah. <laughs> that is scientifically <laughs> impossible. Yeah. Um, and so it's not a reliable biological category. Race is not a reliable social category. Mm. And yeah, it's completely unscientific and it's completely non-genetic. If you, you want, you can't look at someone's you know genetic makeup and and figure out what their race is from. That. Yeah, that, that's, that's what you're saying. Like, yeah, exactly. Not, it's not reliable in any way. Okay. Yep. Wow. Yep. And so when you look at uh, what makes a person a person, and if you want to understand the genetic makeup of a person, there are thousands of other places you should and need to go to to understand somebody mm. like their family's history their history of disease mm-hmm. um, even cultural categories uh, other cultural categories are more valuable in understanding what makes a person a person okay than yeah. race is um, so all that to say race is completely made up it's not scientifically viable in a way of understanding anyone and mm. it's a social category that we've created and passed down to each other and actually created to do a lot of damage yeah. to other now, so, but, so I, and I'm, I'm, I'm asking this question because I think this is, uh, just a, uh, a question that should be asked, right? Like, like we, um, race is still here though. Right. So like, like mm-hmm. even, so when I, when I filled out the census in 2020, right, mm-hmm. there's a section for race, mm-hmm. right? Like, like this is still something that exists, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's made up. It's not, it's not something that's effective, but it's still almost in, in a way kind of governs the way we interact with others mm-hmm. right so like how how do how do we like reconcile that i guess and yes. I, maybe you'll get to that in a minute yes. but like no I that's think, good that's a good yeah. transition so um yeah i've just listed all the things that race is not and the ways that it doesn't help us and the sure. ways that it sort of actually sets us up for failure yeah to think about things in a in a in completely racialized way mm-hmm. we're actually not paying attention to the essence of who somebody is mm. and what makes them unique um so I'm sort of uh, tearing down the term race, mm. and but I, you know, I want to caution that what that might lead some people to think is, oh great, so we just need to get rid of a category of race, like just get rid of it, and then we'll all be fine, right? Sort of Let's that. Just, the, if we don't talk about it, it's it'll, the Morgan Freeman approach, it, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, and th- I'm I'm also here to tell you that that is not a viable way in the current context mm. of of where we are. Uh, in society that is that is not a helpful thing to just go all the way in that direction mm-hmm. so it's important for us to understand how race is not helpful in any of these areas yet race is real it's 100 percent real it's 100 percent here and there's nothing we can do for what it do you mean so what do you mean by that so yeah that's a good question <laughs> yeah. so like i mentioned race is a cultural category the thing that's amazing about people about human beings mm-hmm. is that we have the ability to create where there was nothing, we have the ability to create something, right? Like music mm. came from somewhere. Yeah. Um, and art, you know, came sure. from somewhere. And food so we can, comes from somewhere. Things that are not, you know, like biologically, fundamentally real or beneficial, we can create to be real. Almost. So exactly. We could even, like the economy, right? Like yeah, the, the economy, the, economy the economic system on which our whole world functions, it's not... People it's made not, it up. It's not in, like biologically real or whatever, right? Yeah. But, but it is real, right? It has it has real effects. Yes. It has real impacts, right? It determines how far you can go in life in many ways, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. that's that is that kind of what you're saying? Like it's exactly. it's real in that way because we've made it real. Yes, yeah. yes. Wow. And so, you know, to say like uh, to say that my you know distant German ancestors um, 
you know, uh, subscribe to race, but I'm just going to choose not to completely ignores the fact that because, you know, my and our ancestors created this category, uh, it exists and it's real. And it's something that we have to be, we have to acknowledge because it's Mm. a part of our context, whether we like it or not, Mm. right? We can acknowledge that it doesn't have legitimate bearing on things like healthcare and education and it shouldn't impact and it's not biologically things. determined and it's not biologically right? determined yeah but just like uh you know a plate of food in front of you or the songs that sort of make up your day are very real and have real impact on you race is the same way it's created but created things are make up almost the entirety of our existence yeah right yeah and so it has yeah. power mm. so it's useless but incredibly powerful and it Wow. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. If that no, makes that, sense. I, I think it makes sense. Yeah. It's real because social <laughs> yeah. structures are real, you mm-hmm. know, and, mm-hmm. and, and the way that we interact. And so all that to say, I, I, I'm, I'm down talking race and saying that it's not reliable. Um, but how ignorant of the context and the reality of race would it be for me to say to somebody who has experienced a great deal of racism in their lives mm-hmm. for me as a white person who has not experienced that same level of racism to turn to them and say, just don't worry about it. It's not, you know, ra- actually let me explain to you right now how race is not biological. And so, you know, you mm. don't have to worry about it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's refusing to acknowledge the real power of race and living in a fairy tale that doesn't exist. Yeah. Right. Cause yeah. we live in a racialized world. Mm-hmm. So I think where you have people on one side saying, okay, we just need to stop talking about this and it'll get better and go away. And there are people that are kind of obsessed with it and, and only want to talk about it. Mm. Like, I think maybe a healthier perspective is to say, we do need to talk about we it. We have to talk about it. It's real. People created it and it has power over us. And we have to acknowledge that power. Um, and, and the ways that like someone like myself is really unaffected by that power and benefits from that power and the mm. ways that other people are impacted by yeah. That power. That yeah. that power is real and it sure it changes people's lives um for the better and for the worse. And yeah. We need to yeah. pay attention to that. So we have to be keyed into race. We have to acknowledge the way that race impacts people mm. while I think still recognizing that it doesn't have those sort of innate things that maybe some people would, would yeah. like to say yeah. that it does. Wow. That makes sense. Wow, that's helpful. So jumping off of that, right, mm-hmm. as a springboard, right, we talk about race as something we've created, right, mm-hmm. something that, that we give our power to. Has it, uh, in your opinion, has it, has it always existed in the same, like, has it, has it been static, right? Or, mm-hmm. or and I, I'm, I, this is a leading question, right? But yes. like, like, has it changed, right? Like, has our perception of race changed in the way that the world has changed, right? What yeah. is, is the way that race impacts us today the same as it impacted us in the 1600s, the 1700s, or yeah. ha- has it evolved, right? Yeah. Uh, and the answer is that, yes, it absolutely has changed, yeah. obviously. And I think that's part, that fact alone shows the sort of shallowness of it as a reliable category. Yeah. So yeah. an example of this would be um, in American history, right? Mm-hmm. When Italian people immigrated to the United States, yeah. they yeah. were not considered white. Mm. And now if someone is Italian, often yeah. they're lumped into the category of the white. White, groups, right. right. Homogenous white whiteness. Yeah. 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 Same with like an Irish person, right? Yeah. An Irish yeah. person is like the whitest of the white. Like Sure, but you case know, in point, two, finger at 200 myself. years ago, 1820s, 1830s, like if you were Irish immigrating into the uh, the Eastern U.S., right, mm-hmm. you, you were denied jobs, you were mm-hmm. denied housing, 
uh, you were discriminated against mm-hmm. um, because you were not considered quote unquote white, right? You yeah. were your own separate identity, yeah. right? And uh, part of that, again, because race is not a reliable factor, <laughs> uh, uh, it was it was determined. It was often determined by religion as well, right? Yeah. So Italians, Irish, overwhelmingly Catholic immigrants, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. coming to an overwhelmingly at that time Protestant, Protestant nation, yeah. um, they were othered. And mm-hmm. how else do you other someone than setting aside, you know, them into their own race, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so it's it, it's religious, but it's also racialized, right? Mm-hmm. So and, and again, you're right. Another determiner of like it's it's incredibly shallow, right? Mm-hmm. Because now, if someone is Irish, of course, you know, they could say they're Irish, but we would also say, yeah, you know, you're probably we would also say you're white, right? Yeah, in in many circumstances. Yeah. So that, um, yeah, that's a great example. And and someone who's Irish today. Whereas in the 1820s, when they mm-hmm. when they first immigrated to the United States, they faced discrimination because of their Irishness. Now, because they're Irish, they get they get to be a part of this category of white, and they reap the benefits of being a white American. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh-huh. um, and like an example of me as a white American, you know, I can go to the grocery store and basically walk around and do whatever I want, and like rare, I have to do something very out of the ordinary and very sort of um, uh, suspicious to cause someone to even question my presence. Whereas yeah. friends yeah. of mine who are black, um, you know, that's not the experience they often have at the grocery store. They're, yeah. Them yeah. existing appears as a threat to people exclusively because of their race. Yeah. Um, and an example of this, so, so race is a ever evolving and it's a moving target that has not stayed consistent hmm. throughout history. And so an example of this is like a, a well-known hate group like the KKK in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they started, um, as a way to sort of quote unquote preserve, preserve the white race and to you know commit acts of violence against especially yeah. black yeah. Americans, mm-hmm. um, and, and that is sort of their their creed and their existence. We all sort of know this, uh, but in the Pacific Northwest, when the KKK was sort of starting, mm-hmm. uh, there wasn't a large amount of people who were Latino or um, black or brown, and so you so the KKK actually then discriminated against Jewish people and Irish people and huh. Italian people. Interesting. Like they, yeah. they, they took the category of white. They had to find white, someone else to... And they, yeah, yeah. They dissected hate, the category right? of white so that they could create some kind of hierarchy because their natural mm. hierarchy that they created, their sort of you know um, operating procedure of who they committed acts of terror against and who they didn't, they didn't have a target, and so they just created a new one because that's what <laughs> yeah. race—that's what race is. You can just pick it apart and decide who fits in what category. And you know, since its inception, the concept of race was invented by people with more power and opportunity and wealth. You know, to exact that power and strip resources from mm-hmm. people who who mm-hmm. have less. Yeah. Um, and actually, in, in cases where actually that that that's actually what I just said is not fully true because there's lots of cases where the people who are being um, you know, subjugated in colonialism actually had more resources, but then the concept of race and colonialism was quickly used to then take what remove those, those resources. Had. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and so it's sort of this, yeah, it's this, it's this evil thing that is completely, uh, you know, can can sort of swap around. Yeah, yeah. Um, so That's all helpful. that to say, race as a category is not neutral, hmm. right? Like I think you know we can sort of act like race is just something that. Um, it just is what it is. Um, like, like an example of this is like you know I have blue eyes and you have what color your eyes? Oh, I don't greenish, know. Green, green yeah, greenish, greenish right? eyes. Like, blood. I don't know. That's something that's connected to our genetics and to our you know family history and to sure. all of that, right? Um, 
and, and that's and it's something pretty, it's that, pretty neutral. That's a neutral thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whereas race, because of these this context and the cultural history and the inventedness of it, mm-hmm. it is not neutral. It doesn't play fair and it doesn't yeah. sort of not contain biases. Yeah. It naturally has these biases and mm-hmm. this con this historical context built into it. Mm. Right? Yeah. Like it was created in an oven of hatred and subjugation. And it's been used to wep- as as a weapon against people for so long now that it's not neutral. It's not something that just is unbiased and doesn't say certain things and make certain assumptions about people. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Race helps create inequality. Race helps separate and subjugate people. That's what it's always done. Divides. Divides yeah. people. Mm. Um, however, to then talk, you know, once again, I'm going back to saying what race isn't and why race isn't valuable. But at the same time, I think a lot of people respond with this idea of being colorblind, right? Yeah, I, I hear that a lot. People yeah. say that, yeah. They mm-hmm. say like, oh, well, for me, you know, I just don't see race. I just see people, right? Yeah. I mean, people say that all the time. But uh, once again, this is something I've learned from people who are of a different racial category than I am, and it's their wisdom that has helped me to sh- sort of shape my perspective on this. Mm-hmm. But actually co- being quote-unquote colorblind is actually not the goal, and it's actually even something that is racist in and of itself. Mm, mm-hmm. That idea um, actually has a baked-in racism to it because what it says, uh, 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 you know, what it can be interpreted as when you say, I'm colorblind, I don't see race, right? I don't see race, I just see people. Mm. Um, when you say something like that, what you're saying is this really powerful category that we created to subjugate someone's ancestors and like still directly impacts them every single day and directly impacts where they can, you know, uh, live, mm-hmm. um, where they send their kids to school, mm-hmm. like what types of jobs they can get. The, the, like yeah, How much money your family has. Even. How much like, the type of medical wealth. care they receive yeah. right, is based to their racial category. Yeah. It's turning to someone and saying... Real world impact. It's saying, I just, I don't really see any of that real world impact, mm. negative or positive. Yeah. I'm just choosing not to look at any of that. And I just want to see you as a neutral... Uh, person and I want to. It's basically not acknowledging someone's pain. It's, it's refusing to look at someone's pain, saying someone's the ways the ways in which racial categories have impacted you and your experience are irrelevant to me. Yes, and I and I want to see everyone as the same, and therefore I'm going to ignore the harm that it has caused. Yeah, right. Yeah, that yeah. you're right. Yeah, that that should not be the goal. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. that's what saying I'm colorblind <laughs> is. It's <laughs> even with good intentions, right? Even when you say that with good, we're not saying that like you're not you're a horrible person when you when you say that, but but, but the outcome is a racist one. Is is harmful? Um, yeah, it's harmful yeah. to people to say that. Oh, I just don't see it. You know, I just don't. Sure. That's just not something that comes into my mind. Like, yeah. I'm not saying that you know you have to look at every single person with these racialized categories. Like, it, it's a, it's extremes, right? There's mm-hmm. an extreme of, but once again, it's a fair to to be to want to be colorblind is a fairy tale. It's yeah. not. It's a perfect utopia that currently doesn't exist. Nope. We exist in a world where these racial categories that we've created have serious power um, for good and ill mm-hmm. upon people and upon entire cultures and societies and countries and you know sections of people's mm-hmm. lives. People's entire lives are upended and impacted by this category. And so to say, oh, I just don't see it. I'm just choosing not to see it. That is one of the most privileged things you could ever say. It's like, since it doesn't impact me the same way it impacts mm. you, I'm just going to choose to ignore it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think a true, like, taking the, the, the sort of the understanding of race in stride and stepping into it would be to say, hey, I actually do see that this has an impact over me and over you. 
and I want to be aware of it so that I can better relate to you and understand my place in your story and your place sure. in mine. Yeah. That's a more nuanced perspective. Yeah. And it's not colorblind. It's no. seeing the racial category and how yeah. it's impacted someone, yeah. if that makes sense. With the goal, you know, I like ultimately on, on a one-on-one level, it, the goal is to build better relationship. The goal, the goal is to better understand one another mm-hmm. um, and to better learn how to live with one another, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 you can't do that, right? If, if we're talking about like, making friends with someone. You can't do that without understanding where they're coming from. You can't do that without understanding their experience. You can't do that without understanding a level of of their trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because when you learn that, you better learn how to relate to someone, right? Mm-hmm. And that's and that's that's the goal when you are informed mm-hmm. by race, right? Yeah. Is is how do I relate to this person because I better understand now the experiences that they've had by mm-hmm. listening to them, by by hearing their stories, right? That's mm-hmm. That's the goal. Yeah. yeah. So it's not. And that's, that yeah. is, um, I would say, equally as important on the individual level, which you're talking about, but also on yeah. the big picture level. Yeah. When you look at how are voting districts drawn, mm-hmm. you know, uh, where are, yeah. where are, um, you know, opportunities for food and groceries placed in a city, like urban mm-hmm. planning, mm-hmm. Um, public transportation, education, like yeah. how are these things sort of, and when, if you just look at a map of a city and you look at where people are placed or the map of the country and where people live and why they live there and how mm-hmm. they got there and how the city was set up, which like, if you look back at most of those things, they're built on very distinct racial lines that created inequality. Yep. And many of those inequalities still exist. And if you were to just look at the grid of a city and decide where does a new grocery store go, if you don't understand any of that and you just see a quote unquote colorblind map of the city, mm. you're now in the position to allow the concept of race to cause you to do more harm. Again, yep. in the name yep. of race. In trying yep. to not acknowledge race, you're actually being racist. And <laughs> yeah. And so it's hard. Like, and that's why I say, you know, we as white people need to jump into this conversation. Yeah. It's heavy, but it's important mm. um, because we created all of the evils of race. Slavery was the white person's idea. Mm. We created this concept. And so it is our responsibility and duty to understand it and to upend it in any way that we can. Mm. And understanding your own position in a racial category um, and the history of how you got, how we got that category, like allows you to see in the individual level with your relationships with family and friends, but also on the macro level of how are elections carried out? You know, how does voting mm-hmm. registration works? And like, yeah, big, so big picture, it impacts our country. And when you look at the country and the world and you see the way that the real concept of race has sort of led to all, a lot of these impacts, like it's, it's, uh, it allows you to see things more clearly, not mm. when, when, if you just say it's colorblind in the macro and yeah. in the micro, you're missing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's helpful. Yeah, so to shift into a sort of a more helpful term, like, okay, if race isn't real, then what is, right? Yeah. Because people are different. How do we understand people and their difference? And a word that, for me, has been a helpful tool mm-hmm. that is sort of to use, in some cases, in the place of race, and in other cases, alongside race, because mm. we, we're, right, we're not throwing out race. It's not, yep. not real. It's real. But something to go along with that is the uh, term ethnicity, right? Okay. Yeah. And I think for me growing up until I, you know, dove into some of this culture anthropology stuff and wise minds beyond mine sort of shared a lot of this with me. Mm-hmm. To me, those were interchangeable, right? I just thought ethnicity was a fancy way to talk about race. Talk, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's actually not true. Ethnicity is a more helpful term and it's a different term than race. Ethnicity is actually where somebody, uh, where their, um, where their ancestry is traced to or where a group of people trace their affiliation 
um, from a particular heritage or culture, right? Okay. And yeah. so in the United States, me, Seth, I am white, right? Racially. Racially, I am white. Yeah, and that is the um, non-biological, non-predetermined... Yep, it's a social category. Co- ...construct that you, you are set into, yep. right? Yep, yep. Based on random factors, essentially. Yeah, yeah. historical factors that yeah. got me to this position where I am white, yeah. right? Um, but ethnically... I am German, Scottish, Irish. Sure. Right? It's where your family is from. It's where maybe yeah. like your family traditions come from. Yeah. Maybe maybe religious practices. Things, so things like that mm-hmm. maybe that that are more uh, uh, tangible almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. And that, and like understanding those things actually does have biological significance. Mm-hmm. And it does mm-hmm. have observable scientific ways we can like understand people and what makes them unique and what makes family systems unique. By understanding mm. someone's ethnicity. So ethnicity mm. is like a real category that is helpful and has implications biologically and genetically mm. to someone in their own story. So ethnicity is helpful. Um, I, I think the way we use this adjective ethnic is like really toxic. Yeah. Exa- yeah, you hear that a lot. A sort of microaggression or example of this, if you go to a grocery store, oftentimes there's a quote ethnic food section right? yeah the the ethnic aisle ethnic. right which has food from southeast asia and india yeah. and maybe africa and then uh a couple things from latin america, latin america right yeah. and that's like ethnic, quote unquote, quote unquote ethnic, ethnic right <laughs> yeah you know you know seven tenths of the world just kind of thrown into one aisle yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that is really unhelpful because um, oftentimes that's like ethnic is that word oftentimes used by white people in the United States to mean anything not white. Mm. Like think about it. I mean, I have, I've said this in the past and regretted it. And, you know, I hear friends say, oh yeah, let's go get ethnic food. Mm. It's like, mm-hmm. well, okay. Re- like maybe it's overly technical, but like anthropologically speaking, all food is ethnic food. Right? All, all food McDonald's. is from, all food is from somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. McDonald's yeah. is ethnic food because sure. it's American food uh-huh. that comes from people who live in the United States and they trace their heritage to a specific group of people in a specific time and place and culture. And mm-hmm. so McDonald's is ethnic food. And so like we use, we like ethnicity is actually a helpful tool that can help us sort of mm-hmm. understand these categories of race and the damage they've done in a better way. Yeah. And then we turn around, mostly us white people turn around and use it as a weapon to just lump people into mm-hmm. it, a fake category again. Ethnicity is sort of, yeah, where your ancestry, where your heritage, where your cultural heritage mm. comes from. Sure. And it's a helpful category. So an example of this as well in sort of modern day, um, it's just like, a, a, yeah, a helpful maybe case study mm-hmm. um, would be somebody like um, Kamala Harris, right? Okay. So Kamala Harris is the first female vice president in American history, also the first um, black vice president. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't know how Kamala Harris would refer to herself and how she traces her own ethnicity, so I do not want to put words in her mouth. But something that is interesting about Kamala Harris specifically is um, her ethnic heritage comes from Jamaica. Yeah. Um, and and she also comes from a... a Southeast Asian background. As well. yeah, 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 yeah. And so she comes from a, a mixed ethnicity family and also yep. a mixed racially, different racial category mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. And so is she the first... Uh, black vice president absolutely yeah um when you use the but at the same time if you say she's the first african-american vice president once again i don't know how she would relate to how she would say she relates to that Mm -hmm. term but those are not the same thing right sure because african-american would you call that an ethnicity then 
it's it's a term that's yeah that's reaching towards a more ethnic a more yeah. helpful yeah. ethnic sure. category. Okay. Saying yeah. this person's ethnicity is traced to the continent of Africa. Yeah. But the problem with race is someone in the, that lives in the United States that maybe grew up or was born or their family is from Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. They get put in the black category, and then further people equate black and African American with the same thing, and then people from Trinidad and Tobago, not from. Africa, mm-hmm. their family's not from Africa, get called African American. Mm. And that is like, that's a microaggression. It can even be racist to say that sure. to somebody because you're, once again, you're not acknowledging where they're from. You're, fi- you're putting them into a category that they didn't necessarily want to be put in, and you're declaring what they're signing them is. a family tradition, even that, that is not necessarily true. Yeah, right? or someone yeah. from the Bahamas, sure. right? Yeah. If someone's Bahamian and you know, and then you call them African American, or you just assume that their family's from Africa, well, no, they have the same. You know, maybe a similar skin tone to people whose ethnicity does trace back to Africa, mm. but that doesn't mean those. Are, and so, if, my, if I have a friend who's Bahamian and a friend from Zimbabwe, um, you know, if I look at them in race, I see them as from the same place with the same story. Yeah. When I look yeah. at them with ethnicity, I can actually see that they have very different stories, very different places they come from, that their mm. family comes from, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. contributes to their meaning and their value and, and the things that they yeah. bring to my yeah. life and to yeah, the lives of the people around them. That's helpful. I see that. Yeah, and that's a difference. And so, mm-hmm. but when we exchange ethnic categories for racial ones, we're once again sort of letting race to determine the story. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. ethnicity is a more helpful term and ethnic as a category for meaning anything not white is not a helpful way to understand, <laughs> no. right? Yeah. Um, so instead of saying, let's get ethnic food, well, what the frick kind of food are you talking about? <laughs> Do you, are you going to get Indian food? Great, go enjoy some Indian food. Yep. Are you going to get food that is from Pakistan? Like, great, enjoy that food and call it by its proper name. Yeah. Because the people who are sharing that piece of their culture, of their life with you, like, they deserve to be labeled. And if you don't know, ask. Like, yeah. that's the great thing is, like, yep. you don't have to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, just be willing to ask and be willing to make a mistake and own up to your mistake. Like, that's yeah. – this. Yeah. I'm sharing lessons that I have learned and am continuing <laughs> yeah. to yep. learn – I'm not coming to you as the sole expert on this, but I'm saying like, you know, these are helpful things that have helped me that I'm continuing to learn about and I would definitely encourage others. Um, So, and I mentioned earlier that race is not um, unbiased. And when you compare sort of the terms of race and ethnicity, like an example of this would be um, like white culture in the United States, right? So how do you define What do you that? mean by that? Yeah. Right? How yeah. do you define that? I, so you can't. In yeah. some ways, in a racial category, white culture is very, very real, right? Yeah. Ask, uh, you know, if you were to ask, or my friends who I've asked who are not white, ask them what it's like to go to a school of predominantly white people or to be a part of a church that's predominantly mm. white people. They yeah. come against a real culture, a mm. white culture that... When, when they sort of maybe don't fit into that norm, they feel it, and oftentimes they are ostracized. Or, yeah. You know, that's, that's something that's a real thing from yeah. real people's experiences. Like I said, I'm not the source for those stories. You know, there's, there's lots of really great resources and stories of people working through that that sure. you should listen to yeah. and lean into. But examples like that, you know, would tell you that white culture is very real and it's very powerful, and it mm. demands that people sort of absorb it, become a part of it, or fall behind. And that's how the United States is kind of built. At the same time, white culture is also a completely meaningless category because, like, sure. like you said, what culture? Like, yeah, 
you talking about the traditions of the Irish or the Italian or yeah. the 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 German, right? Or like, even just like even just talking about white people in America. If you don't look at it ethnically, yep. white people in the South, white <laughs> people in the Northeast, in New York City, white people in, in Los California. Angeles. Yeah, exactly. Like that's who, not one. Those yeah. are very different categories. And mm-hmm. so it's like white culture. Um, but then you talk about something like black culture, and you know that actually has a a sort of more meaningful. Uh, it's a more meaningful and helpful term hmm. because people who have who have been put in that racial category and exist in that racial category are a minority in this country, and they have a shared identity and experience that gives that you know allows people to have value and to sort of rally around. Hmm. And black culture has created incredible music and incredible you know contributions to um, the country and to the world. Mm-hmm. And so it's like. And yet, you know, it's still sort of an insufficient way to think about something. Just it's, talking about it, white it's culture. Still like, it's still racialized. It's still racialized. Yeah. So, like, but at the same time, black culture is incredible and, like, yeah. has... And yet, it's not just one thing, right? No. It's not homogenous. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, the culture of, like I mentioned, someone from the Bahamas or someone from Haiti mm-hmm. is going to be a very different background and contribution as the culture of someone who maybe, you know, their family is traced back to Ghana. Yeah, um, those are very different or, cultural. Categories or they can't trace their family back all the way to Africa. And yes. they the earliest they they can trace their ancestry is someone who was enslaved here in the southern U.S. Yes. right, which is a very common story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and that's, that's an it's that's, a shared generational trauma as well. Yeah. yeah, and that's another thing that I think is sort of a great tragedy of like even of race and being racialized is. Uh, I have the privilege, it is a privilege that I can look at my family tree and be able to know exactly where my family came from and when they came to the United States and like when they, you know, started their own businesses and when they immigrated. I am lucky that I have letters from my, like I have letters and diaries from my ancestors from hundreds of years ago and that's amazing because I can better relate to them, right? I can understand my family's story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. I love that. And one of the evils of colonialism and the racialized culture that that created is it destroyed so much of that for, um, you know, people that were that came to this country through the transatlantic slave trade yeah. and other other means, um, and so, like a, a term like white culture or black culture is can be helpful, can be meaningful, and can have power, um, but also, it's not one thing. It's not a monolith. Another yeah. example of this that has even a, a, another layer of nuance is something like uh, thinking about um, an ethnic term, like someone who is. Uh, ethnically from the continent of Asia, hmm. that doesn't, ha- like, <laughs> that does because that could mean somebody from India, from Pakistan, which is in the Middle East, in the Arab part of the world, or it could be somebody from Cambodia, or from northern China, or from Japan. Sure. And those are all incredibly yeah. diverse places. Yeah. With, and so to say uh, that someone is just Asian, and to fit them in that category, that umbrella, yep. which is, a, once again, a racial category, whereas an ethnicity is understanding, oh, like, you know, maybe they're Korean, and they have family still in Korea, mm-hmm. and that, that's something that, you know, adds value, and yep. it is worth understanding about them. Yeah. So, like, ethnicity, race, it, they're complicated, and it's not as simple as saying, oh, this person is ethnically Asian, or mm-hmm. they're ethnically... 
this or but that. when we but when we simply wash over it when we look over it and we just say oh they're you know j- j- we j- we'll just call them asian or something like mm-hmm. when we do that what we do is we ignore their experience we ignore mm-hmm. their family heritage mm-hmm. and we lump uh, a large number of of people from very distinct traditions and histories and identities and we mm-hmm. throw them all together because we're lazy and because we don't care enough about them mm-hmm. right and and like just being blunt about that like we mm-hmm. When, when we don't do the work to actually, like, understand ethnicity, to understand the way that race can be both um, helpful to understand the world we live in and harmful in that world, mm-hmm. um, we, we aren't doing the work, right? Mm-hmm. right? So, like, you got you to gotta take a step further, right? Mm-hmm. You got to go a little further beyond that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's helpful. Yeah, and I think as a as a sort of um, closing thought, yeah. I, I think once again my mind goes to movies and TV because it's the McManus the McManus Media Corner <laughs> travels with me. <laughs> when did we move it from movie to media? I I don't know. It, I don't know. That's it's, great. It's it's sure. getting out of hand. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I'm thinking about uh, the show Atlanta, which is a mm-hmm. really interesting, fascinating show. Yeah, I really enjoy, yeah. and I think it's the first season. So it came out a long time ago, several years ago. But in the first season of Atlanta, there's this episode where, um, you know, uh, the three three of the main characters are black men living in Atlanta, and um, they're sort of trying to make it in the hip-hop game, mm. and they go to this kind of dinner party, and there's this uh, older white gentleman who has this, like, deep fascination with Africa, mm. and he, um, I, I mean, you should just watch Atlanta season one, it's great, but <laughs> he, like he has this really deep appreciation for Africa and things of Africa. And he has these different artifacts in his house and he loves talking about it. Hmm. Um, which I watched that and I relate with that cause I've spent some time there. You spent even more time than I sure. had Patrick yeah, there I and it's there. an incredible, yeah. beautiful place. And there's so many things to enjoy and share about yeah. the people and the culture there. Um, but he, you know, it, these three guys who were born and grew up in Atlanta who are black mm-hmm. men who, you know, for many devious historical reasons and tragic historical reasons, uh, you know, in, in the context of the show, I don't think they know d- deeply their ethnic ancestry of, like, which mm-hmm. part of Africa they came from because their ancestors were part of the transatlantic slave trade. And that's sure. not something that they have access to. They don't have the privilege of yeah. having access to that. And this guy who is fascinated with Africa, he starts asking them all this question about their heritage and their ethnicity, hmm. and he's treating them like this specimen of this like thing to be observed. Yeah. yeah. And so I think you know to sort of push, not push back, but to sort of balance a lot of the things I've said about ethnicity. Yeah. Is like y- you need to be able to understand someone for who they are in their whole story, but also, um, and this is me as a white person talking specifically to white people, but I think it, it'd be hopefully be helpful tool for anyone. Like, mm-hmm. your job is also not to like understand um, without someone opening the information sure, to understand yeah. someone's ethnicity or to yeah. pull information out of them. Like Definitely. if you meet someone and you don't know immediately, like, and you, you probably don't cause you'd be looking at race, not ethnicity. Mm-hmm. You don't know when you look at someone, what their ethnicity is. Mm-hmm. And so it's through understanding them, knowing them, asking them open-ended and, you know, sincere questions about themselves mm-hmm. that you can then understand more about them. And then you can understand, you know, what has their racialized experience been like? Do mm. they have an ethnic tie? Maybe I'm assuming that everyone has an ethnic tie, but do they have an ethnic tie to a specific place in the world, right? And does mm. that have meaning? Yeah. And so just because someone racially appears externally to be in a different category mm-hmm. than you do, uh, that doesn't mean that you need to then interrogate them to understand that. 
Yeah, right? no, because that's it does, also you don't you don't have the right to do that. Either, and you don't right? have the like right to do that. Yeah, if you don't know them, if you aren't if you aren't uh, yeah familiar with who they are. Yes, and especially in yeah. the United States, um, like people that live here are Americans, right? Yeah. And so when you're talking to someone, you're talking to another American. And so there's lots of people who ethnically maybe their family is from South Korea, but they you know, 100% consider, consider themselves an American because mm. they are. And mm-hmm. if the only way mm-hmm. and the initial way that you're relating to them is sort of trying to understand and piece together their ethnic or understand their racial background, like, you're not actually treating them as a human being. No. And so no. you need to, yeah, there's like, so it's that importance of like meeting someone a little double-sided there, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I, you yeah. know, I, I'm saying all the things about ethnicity and, and downplaying race, but also I want to once again lift those concepts back up to say uh, they're not everything and you have to have a balanced approach. Like yeah. you can't just like harp on one or harp yeah. on the other. Yeah, definitely. Like people are people. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. when we have these tools of understanding race and understanding ethnicity and and the way that we can look at you know, different types of food and different types of culture and the way we can understand people. Hmm. Um, and when some, for me, like it, it's super, um, I am very honored actually when I'm talking to somebody and I then learn that they're from, they, they ethnically, their family is from a, a different place of the world, the United States. Yeah. And if they share that with me, that's actually them trusting me with that information to not sure. say something dumb back yeah. to them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's an opportunity for me to learn more about that. Like, yeah. Um, you know, I, I met someone recently who uh, I, t- I was talking about a particular type of food and they said, oh, actually, you know, I'm actually from Lebanon. My mm. family's from Lebanon and mm. my, my dad. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. And we were able to have a great conversation. Yeah. I didn't look at them and say, so what are you? Yeah. That's racist. Yeah. You should not say that. <laughs> I'm <laughs> glad you didn't do that, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. So there you go. That's just yeah. some, some heavy hitting. Heavy facts, hitting stuff. Theories. Opinions. Um, yeah, and again, we're not the first ones to say this. There's there's no. a lot a lot out there. Um, so I hope I hope this can kind of prompt a little more thinking there. I hope, um, yeah, I hope that you don't just ignore it. Um, but again, I hope you don't you don't make this all of who a person is, right? I think mm-hmm. I think that's what we're trying to it's get across balance. here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, thanks for sticking all this way with us. Uh, I promise someday we'll do an episode that's lighthearted, but uh, not today. Well, I mean, the last one was conspiracy theory. We that was fun. About, yeah, that was all right. Gotta, that was fun. You gotta balance it out. You know, one for yeah. me, one for you. One yeah. for you, one yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks have for a, tuning in. Have a good night.